Hi, this is Matt Shaw, pastor at City Lift Church. If you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love for you to come visit us on a Sunday sometime or join us online, citylift.church. We hope today's message fills you with courage and helps you on your spiritual journey. We exist just to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus. Enjoy today's message. How y'all doing? Why don't you look at your neighbor and be like, hey, you look better after worship. I don't know how that happens Sunday after Sunday, but... You just get better looking after worship. Amen. Um, nothing like worship and a couple cups of coffee, right? Just help you have a better, a better Sunday. Um, I caught a meme this week, and it was like, didn't God make the world perfect? And it showed like the first few planets, and it was like, no tacos here. And then all the other planets, no tacos here, Earth tacos. And I was like, let's have some tacos today. Don't you know, tacos just sound good. Anyway, all right. Chick-fil-A sounds good on Sunday too, but they close, you know, and it's like he's got to go with tacos if you can't get that chicken sandwich. Uh, anyway, hey, welcome. Uh, we are in the middle of a series called Values. We're talking about our mission, vision, our, our top values as a church, uh, and it's a great time to jump in and learn a little bit, great time to be reminded uh, if you've been around for a while and, and who we are, why we exist, and you know, what, what in the world are we supposed to do as a church and uh, on the earth and what God has planned and all these good things. And so today, today we're talking uh, cheers, and cheers is our, is our heart. And this comes from 2 Corinthians 9. We're just going to go ahead and jump in, and then we'll rewind and revisit mission, vision, and then, and then kind of jump into the, the meat of this. So if you would, let's give your attention to the screens here this morning, and let me read 2 Corinthians 9, uh, starting in verse 5. This is Paul writing to the church. They're taking an offering for the, the church in Jerusalem. They were going really through a hard time. There was a great famine. Uh, they're struggling. Uh, and of course, at one time in, in the church's history, there was just one local church, and that was the church in Jerusalem. They were the first local church. They're the, they're the local church that kicked everything else off. And so there is just this love in the ancient world for the local church in Jerusalem, and they said, yo, this is mama, this is, this is the mothership, uh, and it's hurting right now, so let's all rally around and get behind and, and give to this church to help them through uh, this famine. And so that's kind of the context of what we're reading here. Uh, and so he says, so I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. Then we'll be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. Hit the next verse. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. That's where we kind of get our essence for today. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. He's clothing, clothing, I think Psalms 112 there. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest for your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through your, us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. One more verse. Um, yeah, no, that's it. Verse 11, that's it. All right. God loves a cheer filled giver. Why, why are we talking about cheers is our heart? Um, God loves a cheer filled giver. Why would the church ever talk about generosity? Well, we want to be a generous church. Why? Because the opposite of that is a greedy church. How many of you know that the world has enough greed in it already? And what we are is the body of Christ, is the church, God's people. We are an alternative to culture, not an echo of culture. 
And I'm going to talk about this from a lot of different angles today. Um, and uh, if, you're, if you're new here, this message really isn't for you. So let me preface by saying that this is really for those of you that first would call yourselves followers of Christ and kind of home to the local church. Uh, we rarely talk about money. Uh, we did, I think, one series on it in the spring, and today we're revisiting it just because it's a value. Uh, so we don't talk about money every Sunday. Come back next Sunday, and we'll change the subject, okay? So if you're new here, and you just came to church for the first time, you're like, oh my God, they're talking about money. I knew it. Pause. We rarely do it. Come back next Sunday, and the topic, the topic will change. So I want to preface that by saying, if you're a guest or you're new, to be honest with you, I hope you get something out of today. This message really isn't totally for you. This is for those that would say, hey, I am a Christ follower, and I do kind of count City Lift my home church. That's somewhat the context we're chatting about here today. So I just wanted to preface that by saying that the pressure is off. Let yourself enjoy the coffee and the beautiful people and have a good day, okay? Uh, so what, what's our mission as a church? Let's rewind. We exist so people can meet, know, and follow Jesus, Matthew 28, right? We want to build healthy people. We want to build healthy followers of Christ. This is why we say a lot in our culture. We want to build people up, not beat them down. Amen? We want our back muscles to be strong. This is why we're called Lift Church. We want to pull people up, not push them down. How many of you know church should be enjoyed, not endured? Right? We're not in the entertainment business, but we are in the encouragement business. And so we want to take care of people. We want to lift people up. This is why we, the local church, exist. We are to lift up every community that we invade and that we go into. And so we want to build healthy people. We can't be a perfect church, but we can be a healthy church, and that's our pursuit. What's our vision? We see ourselves building a church that an upcoming generation can connect with, and then we want to multiply that muddle. This, this hub, right, we're, we're a church for the people of Fort Lauderdale. That's why this hub exists. And our values, love is our calling, courage is our choice, cheers is our hearts, what we're talking about today, friendships are vibes, what we're talking about next week, worship is our passion. All right, let's pause. Let's go back to cheers. We serve an extremely generous God, an extremely generous God. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave. What did he give? He gave his one and only son. Any parents in the building here today? Any parents out there? Yeah, all right, awesome. We got a few, few parents. You and I as parents, we would never give our children to anybody, right? Like, like the worst case scenario is we'd pass away and sometimes you have to write a will and you're like, okay, if me and my wife go, who gets our kids, right? But the only way you'd let them go is if, you know, you were, you were gone or something. But to giving them away to somebody would be out of the question. Giving them to an enemy would, would really, really be out of the question, right? Like, like in my right mind, I'm not sending my children to Afghanistan right now, you know. And, and what's happening there is tragic. I, my heart breaks for these people that are fleeing for their lives as the Taliban is coming in. And it's like I wouldn't send my children there. The Bible says while we were God's enemies that God sent his son into the earth. Think about that for a moment. While you were quite an enemy of God, God gave Jesus for the opportunity to capture your heart. Not even the guarantee that you would say yes to him for the opportunity to get you and I. That's when he sent Jesus. He, he sowed Jesus into an ugly, mean, hard world. And, and if you think, well, why couldn't have God just given, you know, money? Listen, God has got so much money, like, like, it doesn't even mean anything to him, I don't think. Like, like, there are asteroids right now worth, like, quadrillions of dollars. Like, there are asteroids floating around right now that are worth more than all the global economy on Earth right now. This is God's, like, leftovers. This is his space junk. 
So what is a God who walks on gold? What does, he, what does he give? He gives the thing that is precious to him above everything else, his one and only son. You could not give me a million dollars for my kids. You couldn't give me a billion dollars for my kids. I literally mean that. You could come up and be like, here's a billion dollars. I'm like, that's great. Keep it. I want my kids. Why? Because kids are priceless. And when you become a parent, you know that. So what does God do? He, he, he tears his heart in two, and he sends his one and only son, the son he loves, for the opportunity to capture your heart. The truth is, if Jesus doesn't move you, no amount of money ever will. Because he's the greatest thing that heaven had. He's the most priceless, most rare gem heaven ever had. And that's what the Father gave for us. We serve an extremely generous God. So we want to become a generous people because we serve a generous God. We want to actually become a give first church because we serve a give first God. What's the best way to invade a community? Give first, right? Like lead with a gift. In a few weeks, and I need seven more volunteers for this, so shameless plug right here. August the 28th, we're going to serve 300 homeless meals with an organization. We're going to buy all the meals, we're going to buy all the water, and we're going to serve 300 people in Jesus' name. Isn't that a beautiful thing? So I need seven more people, so see me afterwards and sign up, okay? <laughs> all right. And so, uh, but, but it's going to be a beautiful thing. And what are we doing? We're, we're leading with a gift. When you come into a community, you want to bring God's heart. You want to lead with generosity. Amen. Um, when we started this church plant journey, uh, when, when I felt like God asked me to plant a church, to be honest, I didn't really want to do it because I knew how hard it was. I didn't know COVID was coming, but then I really would have said no. But, no, you know, God, God will trick you into stuff. Doesn't he do that? Like, he doesn't give you the whole picture. Um, and and so, so I'm like, God, I don't want to do it. And I'm arguing with God back and forth. And, and finally, the Lord was just really talking. He's like, son, I am asking you to plant this church. Will you plant this church? And I finally was like, okay, I, I will plant this church. And, and it's like, how do I do this? And this is what I really feel like the Holy Spirit put on my heart. He put this young man on my heart, who we've known for, for over a decade, and he wanted to plant a church in India. And so this is what God said. He goes, you cover his expenses, and I'll take care of you. You cover his expenses, and I'll take care of you. So what did my wife and I do? We left the position. We were teaching pastors at another church. We left that. No income, no guarantee, no nothing. Come on, somebody. And what's the first thing we do? We write a check. And we cover his entire month's expenses as he goes and steps out on faith to plant a church. Within three months, we had more money coming in than I was making at that position. God doesn't always move that fast, but he's good to his word. I'm going to get more into sowing and reaping a little bit later because I want you to feel the tension of what I'm, what I'm saying here today. Our church was birthed, watch this, with a gift. I think the reason God is still blessing us through COVID, the reason we've survived it and made it this far, is we haven't stopped giving to this church. The people all around him, these are young pastors that he's training up to release to go plant more churches and more villages. This is a beautiful story. Their church is existing because our church is existing. And we have led with a gift. We've led with a gift. Cheers, cheers is our heart. Let's, let's, let, me, let me talk this tension through, okay? What does it mean to be a cheer-filled giver? A cheerful giver, first of all, is a grateful giver. If you're taking notes, this is a, this is a good thing for us to write down. A, a cheerful giver is a grateful giver. They are full of gratitude. Uh, guys, the reason I, I give is because I'm grateful for Jesus. That's really it. That's the crux of it. It's not what God is going to do for me. Come on, somebody. I give because of what God has done for me already. 
It's not what he's going to do. It's, it's what he's already done. He gave me Jesus. And I, I give because I'm grateful for Jesus. The dictionary says gratitude. It's the, the quality or feeling of being thankful. I'm just thankful for Jesus. I'm thankful my sins are forgiven. I'm thankful that I have a hope and a future and a destiny and a life. And because of that, I'm, I'm just grateful. I'm grateful for who God is and what he's done. And therefore, my heart is, is moved. A, a cheerful giver is a grateful uh, giver. I wrote this down. Generosity is my natural response when I realize what God has supernaturally done for me. I think when you realize what God has actually done for you, man, generosity just kind of becomes a natural response. God, I'm thankful that you've saved me from, from all these things. I'm, I'm grateful. We don't hold back when we realize God didn't hold back from us. I think when you get the realization of that, you're like, yo, I, I ain't holding back because he didn't hold back from, from me. God's not trying to shortchange anybody. He's really not. He didn't shortchange nobody in history. He's not trying to shortchange you, not trying to shortchange me. When you realize that, it's like, yo, it just, it just opens things up. We're generous today because we're grateful for Jesus. I feel like at the edge of all this thing, it's that. It's I'm grateful for Jesus and who God is. Number two, a cheer-filled giver. I love this one. They're focused on what they're gaining, not what they're losing. They understand they're investing. When a farmer sows seed, come on, he's not focused on the seed that he threw away. He's focused on the harvest that is coming. Okay, and I know I'm from the country, and maybe that analogy doesn't translate into Miami, but, but I, I, I think you can understand. You know, when, when, when my wife and I began to give significantly to, to our missionary in India, okay, and I mean, you know, and they still have, they have monthly bills, so we started significantly doing it, and we've simply just upped it. As God's blessed what he's doing here, we're just upping that there. And, and so, you know, and they, they've called so many times, and they've been so grateful. I'm like, guys, listen, I love you. I get it. It's not stopping, okay, and because God told me to do it, you know, and it just, I just, I love them. I'm, I'm dumping it on them. I'm not focused, watch this, I'm not focused on what I was losing. I was focused on the church in India we were building, right? Like, I'm not focused on what I'm losing. I'm focused on what I'm gaining. And I realize, like, yes, there's, there's giving and reaping and sowing and reaping all these things, but I'm looking at the people that I'm building. Only God. Watch this, please, please. Money is paper. It's plastic. It's digits. Only God can take money and turn it into people. Only God can take money and turn it into a blessing where you actually move someone's heart. Only God can do these things. Only God can take something as simple as money and turn it into a church. Only God can do that. Some of you have heard my, my family's story. My great-grandfather, he, he had a serious problem with alcohol. He was angry. He would beat his wife and his kids, and he was mean, and he was nasty. And he lost all of his money. And this pastor in Indiana, rural Indiana, would go knocking on his door. His name was Dale. And he said, Dale, you need Jesus. And he'd be like, get the blankety-blank away from me. Don't ever blankety come here again. I'll buy my shotgun. I mean, just this was a nasty, nasty dude. And this pastor kept visiting him, and he kept cussing this pastor out. Finally, Dale loses everything. He loses the farm. He loses his animals. They've got nothing. And the pastor comes with a cow. And he says, Dale, God told me to give you this cow so you can have milk and butter for your family. And instead of cussing that pastor out this time, Dale starts crying. And he says, no one's ever given me anything in life. 
and he starts crying and he gets saved. His wife gets saved. Most of his kids get saved. One of his kids become a pastor. He tells his daughter about Jesus. She gets saved. She tells her son about Jesus. That's me. And one day I'll tell my kids about Jesus all because of a cow. That is the holiest cow in Christianity. I am convinced. That's a gift. That's a gift. That's generosity. And all that, that pastor could not conceptualize our church would be planted one day because of a cow. He didn't know that five generations would come to know Jesus because of a cow. All he knew was God told me to give you my cow. My family's going to heaven because of a cow. Generosity just did something in my mean, nasty, great-great-grandpa's heart. It, made, it like makes me terrible when I think about it, and I'm grateful for that. I'll tell you what, there's a few people I'm going to hug right away when I get to heaven, and that pastor's going to be one of them. I'm going to be like, you don't know me. He's going to be like, why are you hugging me? <laughs> I'm like, because of you, where would my family be? Where would I be? Because the one who brought me to faith was my mama. Come on, anybody have a mama that like prayed, slapped, kicked you into heaven like me? Like, that's what my mama did. Like, a little bit of love, a little bit of, you know, like she... I'm grateful for her, man. I'm grateful for her. All because uh, of a cow. Um, we, we don't, you know, we, really, we don't give to get, and that, that's not our heart. Um, but God blesses what you give. And he blesses in ways that are even beyond money. You know what I'm saying? I bet that pastor is chilling in heaven right now and be like, whoa, God, you did all that with a cow. You know, if God would let him see it. it it's way beyond what, what we have in our, in our hand, right? So we're generous today, and we believe in cheerfield giving uh, because our, our hearts are focused on the harvest. You know, when you, get, when you get your heart off of like, oh, I have to give, to like, whoa, look what we get to do. All of a sudden, there's like this switch, and you're like, yo, this becomes the best thing I've, I've ever done in my life. You know, and then I did pray some prayers through COVID. Where I was like, Jesus, you know, if you let me fail, I can't give to Joseph anymore. But I think God is faithful when, when we're faithful. He really is. There's just something about it. My heart is focused on the, the harvest. Uh, number three, a cheerful giver has an awareness they're being transformed, watch this, into the image of, of Jesus. Theologians call this sanctification, uh, but it's really the process of, be, of becoming like Christ. In fact, all of Christianity is simply a journey of becoming like Jesus more. That's, that's really what Christianity is. It's, just, it's a journey toward becoming like Jesus. In fact, the, the term Christianity was first used as a derogatory term. And like, oh, look at those little Christs running around and being crazy, those Christians. And the early believers liked it so much, like, yeah, that's exactly what we are. Like, here's him and here's us. And we just, this is us. We're little Christ trying to figure this thing out. It's a journey toward Jesus. Um, a lot of the teaching in the last 20, 30 years is funny. I was, uh, my, my good friend Christian is here. This is my, one of my wife's best friends and her fiance. And they, come on, give it up for them really quick. Um, they're dear friends of ours, and we were, we were chatting about this a little bit, and uh, she's been a faithful friend, faithful partner. She helps us plant the church. Come on, somebody. I mean, this, they served coffee this morning. I recruited them right away, so I'm, I'm gassing them up now. They're amazing. Um, and we were talking about this. I was like, you know, for the last 23 years, a lot of the teaching in the church when it came to finances really was geared more toward, like, give to get, right? So sow this, and God will multiply this and give this back. And, and again, it's not that I... Like, I see value in sowing and reaping. I see it as a biblical principle, and God is a good father. Like, I want my kids to do well. I think God wants us to do well. And I don't think God minds it if we have money. I think he minds it when money has us. 
Okay, so and I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, but a lot of that teaching simply continued the greed in our hearts instead of working greed out of our hearts. And, and, and maybe that's not what it was all intended there. But the, the reality is God wants me to become generous because Jesus is generous. God wants me to pick up his heart. And so why would he invite me on this cheer-filled, giving, generosity journey? Ultimately, it's so I can become like Jesus. Not so that I get everything I want. It's that I can become like Jesus in here. Amen? Do you all feel the tension of this this morning? Right? Like, there are good things that, that come in sowing and reaping. There, there are blessings. There's churches built. There's all these awesome things. But in the end, it's that my heart becomes like the heart of, of Jesus and, and the heart of the Father. Um, he wants me to be generous in all areas of my life, honestly. Really, he just he wants generosity flowing through me. I get in debates sometimes with people about, like, tithing and giving and stuff. Um, and, and I do believe in tithing. I believe in the principle of first fruits, the principle of the tithe. Um, and, and people, when I, when I have these conversations, like, oh, that's, that's under the old covenant. And you know what? They're, they're absolutely right. Uh, but, but as we compare covenants, here's what I find so interesting, if you're struggling maybe with this tension this morning. Um, the new covenant is even more extreme uh, than the old covenant. What I mean by that is under the old covenant, it was love your neighbor. Watch this. Under the new covenant, it's love your enemy. Right? A, a little more extreme. Under the old covenant is don't commit adultery. Under the new covenant, it's if you even look at someone with lust in your eyes, you've already committed adultery. Under the old covenant is don't murder. Under the new covenant, it's if you have hate in your heart for that person, you've already murdered them. A little more extreme. Under the old covenant, it's, you know, 10%. Under the new covenant, you see early Christians actually selling everything out and giving 100% to the church. It's, it's extreme. What am I saying? I'm not saying we give 100% today. That's not what I'm saying. Under, under the new, people are like, oh, thank God, right? Like, y'all off the hook. Here's, here's what I see in the age of grace and the new covenant. We're free to do more, not less. Our hearts are free to really become like God. It's not a rule. It's a relationship. Tithing is not law for me in our house. Tithing is life for my wife and I. And she'll tell you that. It's life. This is something we live off of. It's, it's us becoming like God. The, the, the man that leads our, our network of church plants, they're giving about 25% of their income away right now. And he goes, hey, the tithe's a great place to start. He said, but why don't you go on to radical generosity? He was talking to my wife and I. And so we're like, okay, what, what does like 11% or 12% look like? And I'm not saying you have to do that this morning. I'm saying you work it out with the Holy Spirit yourself. But I thought, ooh, that's good. I'm not free to do less. I'm free to do more. And when I often have these conversations with people, they're often doing nothing or very little at all. And so I'm like, well, listen, if it's not about the rule, then where's your heart? What are we trying to build? What are we actually after? Are you engaged in Gener generosity. A cheer-filled giver, let me move on, realizes generosity is the cure for greed. Just five, ten more minutes, y'all doing good. Y'all with me, tracking with me okay so far this morning? Either you like this, you're going to leave the church next week. I'm sorry. I'm, we're just trying. I'm trying my best. A cheer-filled giver realizes generosity is the cure for greed. Here, here's a picture of my beautiful twins. Now that I taught for a few minutes, let me bring us back to something cute here. Um, they are adorable, aren't they? Oh, they're so squishy and marshmallow-like and happy. Can I, can I be honest with you? They are selfish as all get out. They are so selfish. It's 3 a.m. and they want to eat. They don't care if my wife is sleeping. They don't care. They are selfish. It was funny. The other day they were holding each other's hands, and I was like, oh, how cute. You know what they were trying to do? They were trying to eat each other's hands. They were trying to take the other person's hand and get it in their mouth so they could chew it. They're just... 
They're selfish. They want to eat when they want. They want to sleep when they want. They don't care what we're doing. The world is about them, right? The world is about them. What, what, what does maturity look like? Ultimately, what you want children to understand is as they mature, you want them to realize the world isn't all about you, right? I, I did this analogy a few weeks ago, but I, I think it's so good. Right now, we will feed them, right? At, at five years old, hey, I will buy the food. I will feed you. I'll make the sandwich. We'll get the juice box out. At 15, 10 years later, make your own sandwich. Honestly, right? Dad, make me a sandwich. You got legs? You're 15? Make your own sandwich. I'll buy it, but you make it. At 25, maybe buy your own sandwich too. You know what I'm saying? Like, you buy it and make it, you know? Maybe buy dad a sandwich from time to time, you know? It's like, what, what, what's happening? Maturity. Life isn't all about me. At 35, watch this, I want them to make the sandwich, buy the sandwich, and buy and make their kids sandwich. See, Christianity is about developing and it's about maturity. In the beginning, if you're a baby believer, yes, it's all about you. After five, ten years, it's not all about you anymore. It's about the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. I am not in church for me. I'm in church for others. See, the switch has happened. You're like, oh, yeah, but you're a pastor. Yeah, I get it, but we're all supposed to mature. Eventually, the switch has to happen where Christmas isn't about me anymore. It's about my kids and my grandkids. And then you're enjoying a Christmas celebration in a totally different way. You're seeing it through their eyes. There's nothing like watching baby believers get saved and knowing you had a part in that game. That's the new life of Christianity. It's, it's, not, it's not just me. It's not just flowing to me. Watch us. It's now flowing through me. Generosity, giving teaches me that, hey, guess what? It's not all about you. It's about others. What I like about tithing, it's not crushing, but it is significant. If God asked for 90%, that would be crushing. Nobody could afford to live in South Florida at 90% giving away. Got an ask that. It's not crushing, but it's significant. It reminds me life isn't all about me. Look what Luke 12, 15 says. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Life isn't all about me. Life isn't all about stuff. People are more important than possessions. We all know that, but this reminds us in a practical way. People are more than possessions. What we should be doing, watch this, is serving people and using money. If, if greed takes over, what happens is you start serving money and using people. Y'all didn't like that. That was good. <laughs> Money's a great servant, but a terrible master. Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters. You're going to hate the one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise it. You cannot serve God and money. You know what's so funny? He doesn't say God and the devil. He doesn't say you can't serve God and the devil. He says you can't serve God and money. Money, like nothing else, has the ability to rival God in our hearts. We want to trust it. We want to get it. We want all of it. We want it flowing. And when it's not there, we're, we're mad. It's just, it's a, it's a trust. It's a trust game. It has the ability to rival God in our hearts. Generosity teaches me to be content with what God's given me, to be a good steward of the 90%. It reminds me life's not all about me. There's others that need to hear this gospel. It's not crushing, but it's sacrificial. Last one. Cheerful giver recognizes generosity moves me from fear 
to faith. Fear is based on scarcity. It always has been. It always will be. Show a picture of the pie for me, if, if you will. Uh, a lot of people live life like this. I'd better snag my slice of pie. I'd better run and get my slice of pie before all the slices are taken. Generosity says, give me the ingredients and I'll bake pies all day long. It sees the world a little differently. You know, even in ministry, I'll tell you, I've had to discipline myself. Don't look at life like this, right? Look at life like, give me the ingredients, and I'll just bake a bunch of pies. A few weeks ago, we had another church plant in. I let him preach, right? And we sowed significantly into their ministry. Why? Because I have committed myself. I'm not going to look at life like this. I'm going to say, give me the ingredients, and I'll bake pies. Life's not like this. It's bigger than this. I can trust God with my needs. Uh, money is a resource, but God is the source. And if you spend your whole life just looking at resources, you're going to miss it. You're going to live in fear. You've got to look at the source. Again, God has asteroids out there floating around. There's a, there's a little asteroid this big, a rock, going for $620,000 on eBay right now. Okay, this is God's leftovers. And if he really needed to, he could just one my way, I guess, you know, whatever. But I'm like, God, you're not lacking and I'm going to learn to trust the source and not just the resource. Amen? So generosity helps me move from fear to, to faith. 1 Corinthians 8, 6 says, Yet for us there's only one God, the Father, who's the source of all things. I don't want to just look at the resource. I want to look at the source. What do I mean by that? Listen, as I obey God, one instruction from God can change my life. A series of business deals can change my life. One idea, opportunities, favor with the right person. It, it's not that hard for God to get something good to me. I think it's hard for God to change me. It's not hard for God to bless me. It's hard for God to get my heart. It always has been. It always will be. This is us as people, right? So God wants me to move into a generous life where I move from fear, scarcity, to generosity, to I'm looking at the source, and when God's ready and he needs to and he wants to, he can get more in my life. That way I'm not just thinking about me, but I'm ultimately thinking about him and I'm thinking about people, right? And I'll tell you, there have been times in my life where it's like, yeah, heck yeah, it gets scary. Heck yeah, you want to look at the resource. and you know. But in times, and my wife and I, will, my wife will tell you this, in times where it gets a little tighter for us, we actually get more generous because I don't want fear to take over. So I'm like, okay, I get the resources a little tight, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to just go ahead and do a preemptive strike, and I'm going to go ahead and give a little bit more because I'm going to say to myself, and it's mostly my mind and my flesh that I'm preaching to, God is my source. Not people, not money, not things. It's him, and, and if he wants me to move back in with my parents, I will, you know? And if he doesn't, okay, I'm here. And I've had to get like that in life a little bit. you got to get an edge with you a little bit where, like, God, I'm going to obey you, and I'm going to trust you. This is about you. Let me close with Matthew 6. And, Ben, I'm going to invite you guys to come back up. Let's close with Jaira today. Let's sing Jaira one more time on the way out as, as we close. And it is scary to trust God with your finances. It, it is. I'm not saying this is an easy thing. It's not. It is hard to trust God. But I'm going to close, I'm going to close with this. Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25. This is Jesus talking. And as they get ready... Therefore, I tell you, this is Jesus saying, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food. The body is more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? 
Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? Consider how the lilies of the field grow. They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon, all his glory was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown in the furnace, will he not much more clothe you of little faith? Watch this, verse 31. Don't worry, saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? These are like basic needs that he's, he's preaching to them. These are basic needs. For the Gentiles, watch this, strive after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Let's pause right there. The world strives after these things, and the Father's saying, listen, I see you. I love you. I know what you're going through. I got you. I got you. This is, this is a trust game. The world is striving in their own power to get there, and he's saying, listen, I know that you already have need of all of these things. I know that you need a job. I know that you need that breakthrough. I know that you need those finances. I know that you need a place to live, even in South Florida. Come on, somebody. Like, I know, I know you need that two-bedroom apartment or whatever it is. It's like God's like, I know that you have need, and I see you. I see what you're going through. First, verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God as righteous, and all these things will be added unto you. It is me saying in my heart, God, instead of me trying to strive after everything, I trust you. I will follow you. I will build your kingdom. I'll build people. I'll make this not just about myself. I'll make it about others. And I trust you that as I obey, that you will meet my needs and you'll help me get to where I need to be as well. Amen. Let me pray and we'll stand and worship one more time on the way out of here today. And I'll come back with a few closing announcements. Father, we love you. It is scary to trust you with our finances. Uh, Lord, it is hard. Life is challenging. It's easy to look at resources and not just the source. But God, I really do believe that you've got a better plan for our lives, our families, our church. Lord, we want to be a generous church because you are a generous God. And Lord, we don't want fear and greed to dominate our lives. I've never met a content, greedy person. So Lord, we want to be content with what you've given us. We want to be joy-filled and cheer-filled in our giving and in our living. And so God, we do look to you. Father, help us with fear today. Lord, help us. Um, God, just overcome the fears that we might have and help us trust you today. Help us overcome these challenges that we all face. And God, as in all areas of our lives, we choose to trust you in our finances. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can I invite you guys to stand for Thanks again for checking out our podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. Share with a few friends. Thanks for helping us make Jesus famous right here in South Florida. Again, if you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love to see you sometime. Or as always, visit us online, citylift.church. Have an amazing week.